Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. What a good day. Man, aren't you just thankful for Jesus? I, I'm so in love with this man, Jesus. I know you are too, but it's, I'm, I'm just excited about him and that we get to do this. I think there's, aren't you thankful that I, like, the Lord, he woke us up, spiritually speaking. He, hey, I came to the light. I needed a Savior. I need Jesus. And man, when he brought us in, life became totally different. And I'm so thankful for him. And he continues to do that. Now, this morning, I had uh, I want to just share a few things with you. Over the past uh, about you know seven or eight weeks now, we have had prayer Wednesdays. Uh, we've had prayer the, the Sunday nights these last couple of weeks as well, and we'll be having another one next week, Sunday evening as well. Uh, but we'll just I wanted to take a quick time out from our regular broadcast and just bring some things to you, kind of from a pastoral heart a little bit here, uh, just some things that were coming up in prayer, um, and things that you may know, things that you may go, oh, I've heard that, but it's also would be good just to rehear some of these things again because of the days and the times that we live in. It is crucial. You really find that throughout the Word of God that it's important that we understand the time that we are in today, and it's not like we can say, oh, yeah, this is this, you know, the 50s, the 40s, the 60s. At least we're in 2023, and so to try to change things according to how it was back then won't work because of the current day that we're living in now. And the Word of God gives us ample of Scripture and detail as to what's going to take place in these last days. And I wanted just to take some time to share with you again from the Word what God said about these end times, what it looks like, be ready for it. And at the same time, also take a few minutes to share with you some things that were coming out of our prayer time together that we've been having regularly on Wednesdays. And I know it's from 12 to 1, so it's not a really convenient time. But if you're able to come for that lunch hour, I tell you, it's, it's just been good to gather together to learn how to flow with the Spirit of God. Listen, what happens in even our last Sunday evenings, we've had no agenda. We've had no, okay, this is, we're going to be going in on this. And a lot of times we're just going, Holy Spirit, guide us, show us which way we need to be going, show us which way we need to be praying. And he has showed up every single evening on that one and afternoon. And we've been praying about a plethora of things, including you. And it hits your job, it hits your home, it hits everything about you. And we're just excited to share some of those things with you. Now, uh, one of the things that I want to answer, just this question is, why do we keep gathering as, as a church? And I know you go, well, it's biblical. Yes, it is. But I want to just give you a little bit more as to reason why we do it other than just Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's true. But why do we come? And at the same time, why are we pastoring? You know, sometimes you get like, why do we need pastors in these days? Why do we need the fivefold ministry gifts? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Didn't anybody thought about asking that question? Well, good. We're going to answer that, that this morning as well. Now, before we get started, I want to read uh, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 to us. Uh, in uh, the Good Word translation, it says, Teach us to number each of our days so that we may grow in wisdom. The Good News translation says it like this, Teach us how short our life is so that we can become wise. Can we read that together? Teach us how short our life is. Why? So that we may become wise. There is wisdom that comes when you actually understand that your days are numbered. That, listen, or even days on this earth, or even days before the Lord comes back, that they're numbered. Why does it do it? Well, it causes me to do two things. Number one, to approach my creator... <laughs> to find out what he has in store and what he's asked me to accomplish for him while I'm on this earth, right? It really picks up this sense of urgency going, hey, I'm living for a day that I'm going to be standing before him face to face. I ought to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to know because I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what I want. That's what drives my life is hearing these words, well done. I want Jesus to chest bump me and say, boy, you did it. You did what I asked you to do. Yes. And then secondly, why also do we need to know these days that we're living in is because we need to understand God's calendar. What calendar? What's he using? A lot of times we even think God is linear. He's not. God doesn't go line. This is how he's thinking. He's circular. So what season, what time frame are we in right now? And we need to understand, again, studying the New Testament, you find a lot of teaching which takes place specifically in the end times. And that's what you and I are living in. Do we all agree on that? Can we agree we are living in these last days? 
So before we go in, I want to just take a moment to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for you are living inside of us. You are strong inside of us. You are the teacher and the revealer of Jesus, of your word. And we thank you right now for utterance to flow. We thank you so much that any hindrance will be left in the mighty name of Jesus, any demonic force. We just bind you right now and out you go. And we allow the full word to have full access into our lives that we would never be the same in Jesus' name. Now in Matthew chapter 24, let's turn there for a moment together. And if you read Matthew 24, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's explaining to them what the end shall look like. Now, again, I'm not a, I've done some eschatology, you know, study and different things like that. I, I love to get more into it. But I do know this, is that Jesus is talking to who? His disciples who are Jews. So Jesus is explaining Jewish end times here for a bit. So, I mean, if you read Matthew 24, that is not our end time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Carrie just gave me a hallelujah. I think this morning we should go, thank you, Jesus. That's not my end time. I need to move to Canmore if that's the case. I'm looking for some hills and I'll make sure that we ain't getting pregnant anytime soon around that. All right. Now, Matthew 24, verse 1 through 4, Jesus went out to and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Or surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay, so after hearing that, disciples are like, what do you, it took 50 years to build this thing. How, What? We're going to destroy this thing? Look how beautiful it is. Verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Now again, if you do a lot of Greek understanding on this, the disciples finally came to him and said, hey, now that nobody's around us, now listen, you have our attention. Could you give us some inside information on this? What's going to happen? He says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Now, that word sign is literally the same way that you would kind of have, you know, the Greek word for our signs or posters. So if you were driving on the highway, if you're going to Calgary, what are the big green things that you see on Highway 2? If you're going to Calgary, it shows you 154 kilometers, right? Five minutes later, 89 kilometers. Woo! It's a heavy foot, man. Heavy foot. Sorry, I meant 50 minutes. I mean, I'm just, I'm roasting. I want to get my Kawasaki Ninja. I know, sounds so fun. And it, you keep going, so you get past, you get to Penhold, you get to Innisfail, and every time that green sign pops up, and it just shows you how much further or how closer you are to your destination. So that same word sign that we saw in verse 3, they're asking, hey, Jesus, what are these signs going to be looking like? Like, how do we know? We're going to get this big green sign that's going to go end time, end time, end time, end time, end time. What's it going to look like? So Jesus, I'm going to just go over one. A lot of times, we, if you keep reading 24, he talks about, you know, famines and earthquakes and all these things taking place. And yes, that's part of it. But the first sign that you and I are going to see is that no one, make sure no one deceives you. Deception is the first green sign that you are really going to know that we are in these last days. Say with me, deception. That's the sign So for us as a church family, it's crucial that you and I be aware as we're driving down the road of end times that we see, oh, there's a sign. Deception is down this road. Okay, do you see the big green sign? And as soon as we get closer and closer at end times, it's going to be deception is still going to be on there. It's not like deception, okay, then we pass that and we move on. It's just going to get further into it. And you can read Romans chapter 1 on yourself and really find out how that works. Now, What is deception? It's the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid, right? And a great example of this is in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. This is very simple and this is very clear that what sorrow for those who say that evil is what? Is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark, right? We, very simple, right? That bitter is sweet, and sweet is bitter. 
So this is what we're seeing today in our culture is that they are calling what is evil as good. And what is good, like really think about this. What is good is what? It's evil. This book that you have in your lap or you're reading on your phone, the world will call in these last days evil. Now, what is that? Deception. Because they're claiming what is, what is supposedly true as untrue. We know this word to be true, but they'll keep going to say it's, it's not and it's actually very hurtful. Anybody ever heard this? I talked to somebody about this. They go, that's a very hurtful book that you're talking to me about. Oh, so what do I do? Oh, I guess I, I'm so sorry. Remember the sign. Er, 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 deception, 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 deception. Okay, now we see that Jesus mentioned it. Now I want you to go again and uh, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm going to spend some of the time here on this. But in 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, you actually see the Holy Spirit point his finger 2,000 years ahead of time to reveal to you and I what the end of the days looks like. So not only did Jesus talk about it in Matthew chapter 24, but now we see the Apostle Paul again. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God or is God breathed, correct? So now we see again the Holy Spirit. Just picture, I mean, the, Paul to be sitting wherever he was writing this, this book. I don't know right off the top of my head right now. Where Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and all of a sudden, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he sees 2,000 years at to the end of which age are we living in? The church age or the dispensation called grace. What we've been talking well about a year on now is just this dispensation called grace. That's what we're living in right now, the day of grace. So that also means that God, he's not angry or ticked off at the world. He put all of that on his son, Jesus. But now, because of that day of grace, a lot of people are kind of taking advantage of that. And they're pushing the limits. They're pushing the boundaries. They're moving God aside. They want nothing to do with him. Thank God his mercy endures forever. You know, I also encourage you, read Second Peter chapter 3. And if you read that whole chapter, it is a beautiful picture because you actually see. You know, can we just turn there for a moment? Just quick time out on, on there. I want to just read something to you from Second Peter. I do not have that on the screen, so you're going to have to follow along with me here for a moment. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, let's just pick it up in verse 1. He says, Beloved friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you, which I've attempted to stir you up and awaken you to a proper mindset. Can you see? So what's the motive behind this? He's writing this letter to get you and I into a proper mindset. Who a proper mindset? The church. Okay. Verse two, he says, never forget both the prophecy spoken by the holy prophets of old and the teachings of our Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply, chasing after their evil desires. They will say, so what about this promise of his coming? about this Jesus coming? What about that promise? You guys talk so much about he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And guess what our message is today, church? He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He's on his way. He Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> uh, our ancestors are dead and buried, yet everything is still the same as it was since the beginning of time until now. What a joke. But they conveniently overlook that from the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created by God's word. He spoke in the dry ground, uh, separated from the waters. Then long afterward, he destroyed, talking by the flood, the world by a tremendous flood by those, by those very waters. And now by the same powerful word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire being kept for judgment day when all the ungodly will perish. So, dear friends, again, talking to you, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years counts as one day. 
This means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some uh, measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So what do you see? Why is the Lord tarrying his coming? Because he wants everybody in. That's his heart. That's his desire. So if you kind of go, well, we keep talking, Jesus is coming. I kind of get old. It's kind of getting old. Just think about it, man. We had a, a gentleman that received the Lord last week, and it was beautiful. When you start looking at it, going from this perspective, the Lord waited for this gentleman to get in. Oh, at our, at our youth service, I know Jamie just mentioned that, Javen, there were some things going on at youth. We had two kids that received the Lord last week. Ah, they got in. Not only that, we, we had, I think there was 10 or 12, I can't remember the right number on that, 10 or 12 kids that rededicated their life back to the Lord and said, I, I need to get right with God. That is so precious. Why is the Lord delaying his coming? It'd be great if he came now. Don't get me wrong, it'd be beautiful. But why is he tearing his coming? So that these individuals that you may never have ever met got in. And the Lord's heart is that everyone would come to the knowledge of this truth and not perish. That's his heart. I mean, if you can understand, again, the dispensation we're in, it's grace. Come. Come in. The kindness of God is going to lead you into repentance. And that continues to be the message that we as a church need to be bringing to this world. Now back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Again, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. I want you just to see this beautiful finger and saying, hey, church in these last days, heads up. Hey, get your head in the game. You're going to be living. And here's the cool thing. God knew that you were supposed to be born whenever you were born, but to live in this dispensation at the end of days. Aren't you thankful, man? I'm so glad I was born when I'm born. I'm so glad that I'm the age that I am now. Why didn't God put me or create me to live in the 1500s? He needed me now. Why didn't God create you, you know, 2000 BC or AD? He needed you now. Why? There's an anointing and a grace on your life to reach this current generation for the King Jesus. So you have to start acknowledging that I'm anointed to live in this day and age. All the world's so crazy. All the world. Yeah, it was crazy 500 years ago too. It's always been crazy. Now we just know that as we approach these final days, this is why the Apostle Paul, or through the Holy Spirit, here's, I'm pointing my finger to let you know that as you get further and further into this, heads up, read the signs, see the signs, don't complain about how dark it is, it's supposed to. You can't prophesy it away. You can't try to pray that thing away. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So get ready, and instead of just give up, pivot to start working with the Spirit of God to reach souls that are lost along the journey. We got some lost hitchhikers on the way to Penhold and try to get the, they're on this journey with us going that way. You can't stop it. I know another Greek word for what Jesus was talking about is that when a woman comes in to, uh, have, to birth a baby, you can't stop the process. Right? Women, I'm not, I've never been pregnant before. I never will be pregnant. Is that true? Jamie, it's true? Mama, is it true? Okay, my mama and my wife said it's true. When the baby's about to come, you can't go, no, wait. I'm going to just, it's not a good day. You can't stop it. And it's the same thing with these end times that the Spirit of God is trying to relate to you and I. You can't stop the labor pains from coming. It's going to give birth. So now, the Holy Spirit, now notice, listen to the wording in this, and I want to, not to show off my Greek thing, I really, I just look at concordances, and I study a lot of different books to help get good definitions on it. So I, that's where I'm coming from. Now he says, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now we're going to just talk about this a little bit because right away people go, oh yeah, those demons, I'll just tell you this is demon, this is demon. Not everything is demon, no. We're going to go over some of these things, but we have to be aware of the signs. Now the first word that I want you and I to notice right here is that the spirit expressly says <laughs> now, not only did Jesus say that this is going to happen, but also 
the Holy Spirit is warning that this is going to happen in the church. So don't get mad at other churches for being what the culture would call woke. It's prophesied to us. All these, some of these stupid churches, don't, don't go there. It's not going to do you any, all your job is, Lord, I'm going to pray and lift them up. Lord, help them see as we go further and further along this way. Church, what are we for? We're for the truth of the gospel going forth, done in a proper way. Now, that word expressly is this word retos, and it simply means beyond a shadow of a doubt, kind of what I was just mentioning about that woman give ready to give birth. You cannot stop it. It's on its way. And then the next word, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, now that word latter times is husteros, which simply means is that you're at the end of a thing, and there's literally no more room. Now I want to just show you this picture of, of a dock what that word simply means in the Greek is that we're running out of dock. Say we're up here. This is what's going to happen at these last few boards, and you can't change it. Just know that this is what we're living in. So you're on the edge of the dock, and you're going, oh, man, why are things so crazy? Because you're at the end of the dock. Okay? All right. You all get that picture? You can kind of get that in your head? So what's going to happen at the end of the dock if we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, guys, go back there for a sec. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, what's going to happen at the end of the dock? Some, not all, some. Say it with me, some, not all. Aren't you thankful that you're not part of that some? I go nowhere. Some will depart from the what? The faith. It doesn't say they reject the faith. It says depart. There's a major difference between the word reject and the word depart. Rejecting simply means it's blatant, it's deliberate, it's I get up and I leave. Departing gives you a different word, and again, the Greek is aphistami. This is what it means. If people slowly begin to change their posture to what they once believed. Another way of saying it is they believed one thing, but now they distance themselves from what they believed to form a new belief. Okay? Another way of saying it, the Greek brings out this word, actually, if you look it up, it brings out this word transition. They are in a transition from believing one thing to now believing something completely different. There's a transit. They're in this mimbo mode here, right here. <clears throat> so what do they depart from? The faith. Now, that doesn't mean faith for healing, faith for miracles. It simply means the teachings of Scripture. That's what it means. They are moving away from the clear teaching of what the Scripture brings out. They are moving in a new direction. They are embracing activity of seducing spirits and demonic teaching. This demonic doctrine leads people off track, including people in the church. So how do these demons do it? Now, go, guys, keep uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 on there. How do they do it? Does the devil come up in this red suit, these big horns, and, ah, I'm going to show you a different way. <laughs> what do they do? Doctrines of demons. They put together this beautiful package of a teaching, and they sell it to you. It even comes from outstanding platforms. It's so well put together, and it even sounds Christian. Can I just give you a couple of examples of what this sounds like? Again, if it's perfectly laid out, I just want you to almost picture it as a sales pitch. These guys are all, you know, piped up, and they're ready to bring this so-called woke idea, and oh, I have this new idea, and it sounds so lovely, and it's so charismatic, and it looks so beautiful and wonderful that I go, that must be right. So what happens, I start to look at this with a different lens and going, yeah, that seems to be a bit off. I like what he said, and hey, he claims to be a Christian. That is one of the most dangerous things. We tell our kids that regularly. Just because someone says a Christian means nothing to me. You have a Jesus shirt on. Means nada. <laughs> 
sad to say, you just have to really talk about some of those things. Right? Well, he's a Christian, right? He's a Christian. I saw him point to the sky. Means nothing. They could be pointing to their dead grandfather. They could be pointing to their dead mom. There's a lot of things that they could be pointing to. A bird that flew over as they scored. It's a lot. Now, this sail pitch, and they do it again and again and again. So don't just kind of think of somebody departs and it's, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. It's, it's being thrown at them constantly. And that's why we have, I believe, even in this social media, it's, a, it's wonderful and dangerous all at the same time. We have to be so careful. This is something that we're doing in our home is making sure what, is, what sound is coming into our home regularly. What are my children watching? Because what's being preached over and over and over again. But it's just a cartoon. What's the message? And it's not that I'm some weird religious guy. Nope, never have any of that in my house. I'm not talking like that being all weird. I'm just saying be conscious because these signs are very clear that deception is the major thing that you're going to see in these last days. And from deception comes a whole lot of different things that we could talk about personally, right? Okay. So this sale pitch, it sounds like this. You need to be more tolerant, more inclusive, more open-minded, and less narrow. You need to be more loving because, as you know, Jesus loves everyone. Hmm. Amen. Doesn't that sound true? Does Jesus love everyone? Does Jesus love everyone? Okay, yes, he does. But there's a difference between acceptance and repentance. Acceptance, hey, we, we, we will never criticize the generation that we're in because we're all going down this dock. We're going down this road. If anything, I want to help people see the truth of who Jesus is. I don't have to accept how they live and how they're operating, correct? I can definitely embrace them in the sense of, hey, I want you to experience the love of God, and you're going to experience that through this church. You're, you're going to know. If you've never known Jesus, never been into a church before, you bet we, our goal is to love the hell out of you. You go, what was that? What's that? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So in every area of this ministry, our goal is literally to love, say it with me, the hell out of you. That's the goal. That will always be the goal. Because when you're able to do that, they're able to see Jesus for who he is. Not some religious, oh, you're, you got to clean up before you get in here. No, 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 no. Jesus does the cleaning. We just, we, got, we bring you in. But now... <laughs> as we said, uh, these seducing spirits, they come in through these doctrines, these well-packaged presentations. Now, it's good that we can identify the problem. The question we need to ask is, what is the solution to this? So if you skip down 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 6 through 7. This is part of why we keep gathering. This is part of why we keep running different, you know, men's group, women's things, youth things, kids. This is why we keep doing what we're doing, and we're only going to be able to do more as we go forward as a church family. Part of it is, so you see this in verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, talking, if you just read a little bit above about, you know, there's different teachings that Paul was explaining. You teach the brethren these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Then he says of this, verse 7, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Now let me break this up a little bit for us. Now that word instruct, if you guys go back one verse again for me, that word instruct is hupotithemi. Can you say it with me? Hupotithemi. This is a good word. I want you to understand this. Hupotithemi. This is a beautiful word, and that's for that word, instruct. So when you hear this word, instruct, just from an English perspective, you kind of hear, I talk, you listen. Does that kind of sound? Yay. I hated that in school. I, I never could really get that. But if you actually get now the Greek word for that is hupotithemi, and it brings out a different picture that I, when I saw this, Lord, it helped me tremendously get excited about our gatherings more and more. This word hupo simply means to come under. And tithemi 
means to build a foundation. Hupotithemi simply means as if somebody were building a home as they crawl under this home and they reestablish the home regularly. Now it says this, if you hupotithemi the brethren in these things, you will be like, actually Greek really brings out, you will be just like Jesus, a good minister of, the, of, his, of Christ. What did Jesus do? He hupotimothied the world, meaning what? He went under the world and he brought a secure foundation for the world to rest on. That if you believe in me, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Jesus knows his church intimately. So intimately, if you actually read Revelation, he actually calls out a martyr by name. He says, I know all these things about you. I know your hard work. I know what you've done. I know that you can't stand evil doctrine. You don't accept the teachings of false prophets. He even says to one church, I think it's in uh, Ephesus, you even hate the teaching of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus knows intimately everything that's happening in the church. And so that's why when we gathered, the goal of every service is to hupotithony. It's all Greek to me. And there you go. Okay. <laughs> Anybody seen It's All Greek or my Big Fat Greek Wedding? Ah, oh, I love that movie. Give me a word. It's in the Greek. Instruct. Hupo Timothy. Hupo to come under. Tiffany to lay a foundation. There you go. That's what this is. To instruct the brethren in these things. And listen, can I encourage you, church? This is what we do, obviously, from this platform, but we can do this for one another as well. I don't want to see any of our brother or sister going off some kind of crazy road. That's why we continue to gather is for this hupotimity to take place because we are getting closer and closer to the end of the dock. And we have to make sure that our foundation is secure in what Jesus has said in his word and not following some very cute or very powerful. I like the sound of that. that sounds so good. Does it line up with Bible? Because if it doesn't, the goal is to get you off track. And before you know it, people go, how did I get here? And we've talked about this at the beginning of the year, just this word drifting. I, I drifted and all of a sudden I'm, how did I end up in cameras when I'm going to, Cal how did I get out here? Come back, come back. Now, <clears throat> the way the Lord said it to me is to, to keep checking under the hood. Second Timothy, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. The Apostle Paul, again, the Holy Spirit, he says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to, to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. So not only am I doing this, this is what we do as a church, this is what our role is, but at the same time, I'm doing this on my personal self. I'm examining myself constantly. What am I believing right now? This action came out, or these words came out of my mouth, or all of a sudden I heard this guy talk, and I thought, man, I sure really like that. Hold on, Joel. Does it lead to scripture, or am I just another ticked-off Canadian trying to do Canadian things? Because we got this thing, Christian nationalism, and all it is just a bunch of angry people. I'm a kingdom man first before I'm Canadian. And, of course, I'm sent here to be and change this nation. That's what we're all here for. Absolutely. But I'm going to be motivated and moved by my position in Christ Jesus. Are we on the same? That's our rule. How am I going to, how am I going to reach a confused and dark world? I have to test up on myself, check up on myself that I make sure that I have the fruit of what I'm believing from the word is coming out of my life. My opinions don't matter at all. Really, the Lord showed this to me. The moment that you gave your life to me, your opinions mean nothing. What matters now is his opinion. His opinion is now my opinion. So if you were to ask, hey, what does God think about sex change? What does God think about abortion? What does God think about same-sex marriage? What does God think about that's my opinion is what he says. Not what I think, not how I feel, because why deception is the end goal as we get closer and closer to the end of this dock. Capiche? Okay, now. <laughs> so what happens when all of a sudden we go back and we find out that our, a new wind of doctrine has come, a new teaching has come? 
we got to get back underneath that hood. Hupo Timothy, start building again, start reestablishing that foundation to make sure that it constantly lines up with what scripture says. This is, I, I, I like this word. I want to get a shirt on this or something. Hupo Timothy. This is what we do. What do you do? I Hupo Timothy. What does that mean? I come under to build the foundation. And that's what we continue to do here on a regular basis. All, all good? Okay. Now, um, I'll finish off. I have a few more minutes I want to just take. If you look again, verse Timothy um, 4, verse 7. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just says, reject profane and old wives' fables. Exercise yourself towards godliness. You know, that word profane simply means manure. <laughs> this is what the Holy Spirit, it's, it's old wives' fables. It's almost mythical stuff that's out there. He's saying, reject all that minutia, yeah. right? And stay close and exercise yourself towards the godliness. Now, what I want to just take these last few minutes on was just to share with you a little bit about what our prayer time was during these last couple of weeks. Because, I, I mean, I believe the Lord is speaking to us as a church family. We got amazing things on the go. We are going forward beautifully. And one of the first things that came out as we were praying together, there was a Sunday evening, and then also these, we had four Wednesdays specifically, all geared towards just this transition state that we as a family are. And for those of you that didn't hear, we're, we're in the process of purchasing a new life building, which is on the north end there. And we were just like, Lord, what's, what are some thoughts? What are some things that we need to carry with us? And beyond any of that, we actually didn't even start praying about buildings. The Lord had us elevated and praying from a different perspective, which is the buildings are just tools. That's not the goal. The goal is not like, we need bigger buildings. We need to be going. We're, we're, yeah, buildings. Ah. That's not the focus. The focus is people. We never use people to build a church. We use the programs and those things to build big people. And as a result, big people build big people. And because of that, you need more space. That's the motivation. So it's not building, 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 building. It's how can we hoopo Timothy more? How can we come under and build up the city of Red Deer rather than coming on Red Deer going, you suck and do better and everything's wrong here. Going, Lord, what platform do we have that we can actually start building from the, from the ground up to say, hey, we are here as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ to show the kingdom of God, to establish the kingdom of God in this city. So we are praying from that perspective. And I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll, we'll read that in a sec. But what came a lot in our prayer time was just these words, a turning around. A great turning around was taking place. Can you say that with me? A turning around. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a beautiful picture when the Lord helped me see some of these things that we were just talking about, these end time signs. Here's this deception. Here's this sign that we're vividly going down this direction. And all of a sudden, I just saw as we were praying this turning around that people, as all of a sudden they got off too early, and who knows, instead of heading towards Calgary South, they're getting off at an exit way too early and on their way to Markerville. That's where your wedding was. I'm just, and you keep going out, and your goal was, no, 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 we're, we're supposed to go this way. But people are getting off way too early. Maybe it's off of the old exit. Maybe it's off at the Disbury. No, 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 no. Come back to God. There's a great turn around that's taking place, yes, in the world, but also for those that are in the church. It's both. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, you're saying we don't care about you anymore. No, you're in the church. Now we're here to build and to keep you on this straight and narrow. Right? It's not just, oh, you know, God, he, that's fine. God doesn't care about the church anymore. He's after the world, the lost. No. Imagine if I said that to my kids. Yeah, now that you're born, I don't really give a rip about you. I care about these other kids. No, you're my children. I want to love. I want to show you the way. I want to teach you all this. Hey, and while you're, we're doing this, let's reach this world as well. We got to reach this lost. Now, this great turning around. And so what came out was Impact Life Church. These weren't my words. This came out of... I don't know exactly. What came out was Impact Life Church, you are a hub. So I want you to get a picture of this hub on a wheel. You are a hub, you are a hub, you are a hub. And coming out of you were many spokes. Right? Can you see those spokes? And those could be programs, those could be leaders, those could be people that have just things that are stirring in your heart. 
There's these spokes. And what's the purpose of the hub? What's the purpose of these spokes? To proclaim a message, come back to God. This is what we vocalize. Come back to God. Come on, say it with me. Come back to God. Why he cares? He cares. He cares. This is the message. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, we're going to read through 21. Again, a very familiar passage for us. But now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Who is that this morning? That's me. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says you are an entirely new person. Where? On the inside. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold. Means look. Get a glimpse of. Actually see everything is fresh and new. And that's what one of our assignments here is to show and help behold what the fresh and the new is. Look at who you are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation on your life anymore. Why? Because you're in Christ Jesus. You need to get a glimpse of all those things. You're not under the old man. You're in the new man. And the new man, according to the word of God, says that you are complete in him. That's who you are. Now, verse 18, because now everything is brand new and fresh, God has made all things new, and he has reconciled us to himself and given us say he's given me he's given me the ministry of reconciling others to god that's the message that's the purpose you are a message carrier everywhere you go you have a message and what is the motivation behind all these messages i'm looking at about 250 messages in the room right now what's the motivation behind every single one of them come back to God. Come back to God. Verse 19, in case you didn't get it. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions. What? Listen, did you read that? God, what was he doing? Being the great shepherd that he is the over-shepherd, the chief shepherd of the flock. Who am I? I'm just an under-shepherd to the chief. Chief, what do you say? What do you want to do? Yes, sir. This isn't my church. It's his. And I think it's time that God gets his church back. Don't you agree? What does Red Deer need? They need God's church. Not more impact life church, don't get me wrong. This is the vehicle and the vessel that God has established and told us to operate from. But we're not here to build Impact Life Church. God builds it. God is drawing you all in. How did you get here this morning? I thank God for you. God brought you. Look at your neighbor and say, God brought you. And don't say, well, you actually drove me. No, no, no. God brought you here. <laughs> don't get all smart aleck, you know. You're here. You belong here. You have a gift on the inside of you. God has put graces on the inside of you. For what? Just to hold on to myself and say, oh, look how good I am. No, it's for the benefit. It's to actually come underneath and build the foundation for other people. This is what you do. Oh, I, I, I don't really like doing that kind of stuff. I don't care. Are you a hoopamethia or are you not? Are you here to build and come up with us and build? Or are you just... Lord, this is, I'm just believing God that somebody will answer the call for the nursery so that I can sit in the service. That is not what faith is for. Lord, I just pray that somebody will come on those keys and just play the keyboard. You answer that call. Oh, I wonder where, why, why all the instruments? They're sitting in the chairs that I'm looking at. We're all here to hoop a matia. We're all here to build up together. If it's just Carrie's job to sing and make you happy, we're in trouble. Because it's not a show. It's a group of believers that have absolutely said yes to the kingdom of God that are interested. Hey, we're going the full distance. We're going to the end of this dock and we're going to do it well. We need you. This isn't a one-man show. This isn't Joel and Jamie just trying to highlight and do some cool things. No, we believe God is building this. We believe God is doing it. So our goal here is to constantly just say, Lord, what would you have me do? What's my part? 
I would love to be able to sing, but I just am not the greatest. Don't get me wrong. In my office, I let a hoot and holler. I go all out, but it's not my main. I can sing on my own, but just in front of you, I want to be a blessing. <laughs> so I, I, I just wouldn't be a blessing to you. Did you feel the anointing on that family? No. They sent me a message on the screen that says, Woot, all right. But this is how God has established his church. This is how he builds his church. We are all deficient by design. Not everyone is everything. You're not supposed to be. And there's no such thing as a platform in the sense of, oh, look how amazing they are. No. We don't highlight men. We highlight the gift that God has placed in you. So when somebody says, hey, man, you're doing an awesome job of that. Don't just go, oh, yeah, well, no. you know, No. No. Yes, I am. I am anointed to preach the gospel so people get it. That's my anointing. I know that. I know people say, man, that really helped me. I go, praise God. That's the anointing on my life for you. I don't go after service. Oh, man, I had four people that really liked the service. I crushed it. (laughs) That's not what I think. When people say, you know what, when you come up and say, you know what, that really helped me today. That helped me get just some thoughts. And man, I brought a friend today. They never came to church before. And they were just so blessed by what was being said. You know what I go? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus, that your anointing is there. But I'm a steward of this gift. And if I just keep saying no, eventually I stop getting asked. And at the end of the day, I have to realize how short my time is. And I'm going, Lord, I'm standing before you. Joel, I called you to speak this. I told you to go here. I I gave you the gift to do that. I go, well, Lord, I just, you know, (laughs) I had a lot of things on the plate. That's not an excuse. He tells me to go, I go. He tells me to stay, I stay. I tried to get out of Red Deer. I really did. And guess what the Lord said? Come back to God. Come back to God. No, do you hear me, church? I try to leave. He said, come back to God. My own plan. My own what I wanted to do. He says, Red Deer. I said, New York. He said, Red Deer. I said, surely we'll talk tomorrow. We'll get that sorted out. And at the end of the day, I went, Lord, red deer. And here we are. And I love it. It's the will of God. Now, let me go back to this. In other words, when that music goes on, it means, Joel, hurry up. It was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world. What was he not doing? He was not keeping record of there. Who's there? Our transgression. He wasn't keeping count. He wasn't keeping the records going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, dear Lord, I see that. Oh, man. I see that. None of that was happening. Instead, he has now, with this experience, with this, oh, he kept no record of transgression against me. Now he has entrusted you, say me, me. to what? The ministry. You're all in the ministry. What's the ministry of opening the door to reconciliation with God? What am I? I'm simply a door for somebody to experience my Jesus. The same love, the same awe of God that I encountered in a meeting, I encountered in my living room, that I just had because somebody prayed for me in the mall. Whatever have you, I experienced this no transgression. I experienced this deep love that called, looked at me and said, no fault. No guilt, no shame. I put it all on my son for you. Now you go be that same door to somebody else. That's my call. That's what we do. Then he goes on in verse 20. We are ambassadors. This is a higher mindset, church. This is who you are now. I'm an ambassador of the anointed one, and I carry this message. And what would the devil love more than anything is to shut the church's mouth up. He won't and he can't. He tried it. In 2020, it will never happen. Not here. It will never happen. Why? This takes precedence over anything else that could ever be done. Is we are the lips of Jesus on this earth. And God was tenderly pleading 
through Christ with his lips saying, come back. So now we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. What's our message to the world? What's our message to those that are walking this dock and they get off too early? Turn back to God, not you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? You stink. You demonize and blah, 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 blah. We know. We know. They know. You read Romans 1, it actually says that God has already put inside of them the reality of God. He's placed it in them. They know. So what, do, what, what softens a hard heart? The love of God absolutely drops the hardest heart to its knees. He says, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Verse 21, last verse, for God... This is his job. Made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. I've received too much to shut up. I know too much about his love. I've experienced his love for me to just shut up, to not get involved. I want to get involved in building what he's building. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's going to matter. I'm building his church. Meaning what? I'm advancing his kingdom. I'm advancing his mindset. I'm pushing his agenda in my marriage, with my children, with those that I come in contact with, in the local church that God has be a part of me of. I'm just as more a member of this church as you are. I just have a different role in a different position. God anointed me differently to do it. That's all that it is. And I refuse to leave my post because of offense. I refuse to leave my post because I just don't feel like doing it anymore. I refuse. I refuse. Why? Because I've experienced his love and I've seen what his power and his love can do to a human life. Could absolutely de- destroy anything that Satan has tried for years on. One encounter with Jesus changes it in an instant. So, Father, here we are. Lord, we say yes to you, King Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your word, your holy written word that is here to keep us on track, that it's here to bring us back to your thoughts, bring us back to your ways so we don't get off the path too quick or we don't get off the path at the wrong time. Jesus, we thank you for your established word. And we acknowledge today that your word is the final authority again in our personal lives. Your word is final authority in this church family. Your word is final authority in everything we do from program through classes, through different ministries. Lord Jesus, we just say this to you again to honor you, sir. Our heart is to respect your ways, to know your ways and establish them here in central Alberta. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.